Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 50. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. It's the most loaded slate of games we've had to date, with ranked matchups, trap games, and Hurricane Ian making appearance on the East Coast, all here in Week 5's preview of the 3 Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes, along with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. I'm Mitch Mason, and guys, I'm not kidding when I say this is the most loaded slate of games, whittling this down to a manageable run-of-show document was borderline impossible. We've got so many games that we've fully previewed, others that we've got quick hitters for. We've got lines for all of them. Garrett, I mean, this is going to be an amazing week to be in front of the TV. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I am pumped to just plant myself down. But at the same time, for today's pod, uh, I have been stretching the hamstrings. We have been doing a lot of different sort of like runner stretches because it is going to be a sprint today. It, it is time to buckle in because we are about to go. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Trey, we'll get to the the housekeeping in just a second here. What are you looking most forward to this week? We've got head-to-head ranked matchups, some that may be pivotal in playoff implications. We've got some trap games, some letdown spots. We've got games being relocated, delayed due to Hurricane Ian. I mean, there is, there's a lot of traffic to deal with. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but there's a lot of prove-it games this week. Just mm-hmm. a lot of teams that we're looking at and saying, you know, are you truly a contender? I look at Clemson. I look at Florida State in the same conference. I look at Arkansas going on the road to Alabama this week. Just lots of teams that we think we know where they're at a few weeks into the season, but as we get into week five, we're starting to see, you know, okay, what are you actually and are you going to be relevant for the rest of the season? And guys, I think it's appropriate. We're starting to get a little chill in the air because this yeah. feels like football season. This feels like where the rubber's meet in the road and we're about to take off. Oh, I wore a hoodie into the office this morning. I, of course, I had to remove it by lunchtime. But, you know, to I told <laughs> the guys to see one go through the hoop, as it were, to, to break that mold, to get to wear a hoodie into the office, it was... Uh, it was a magical experience, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, as, as the weather gets colder, the games get hotter, I'm really excited for it. We've got so much to get through, so very quickly on the housekeeping, if you are new to the show, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us here on The 3 Technique. We upload twice a week on Mondays. We do our recaps on Thursday mornings. We do our previews, which is when you're listening to this most likely. 
Uh, and uh, if you haven't already followed us on social media, please head on over to Instagram, Twitter, at 3TechPod. You can drop us a follow. You can interact with us on a daily basis. We're posting content over there as well as on game days. We love to get to talk ball with you guys, live tweet games, react to things going on. Uh, it's an incredible time. So we would certainly encourage you to head on over there. Speaking of reacting to things, uh, we'll, we'll move through our news segment very quickly so we can skip the sound for right now. But basically the main thing, there are two items. First of all, uh, Jeff Collins released, let go, fired, what have you at Georgia Tech. Um, tough, tough slate there. He was, I believe, 10 and 21 as a yellow jacket. Uh, I, I could have that, that loss number wrong, but it was not good, basically. Um, he's let go by Georgia Tech. The rambling wreck is a rambling wreck. And then we also have, as we've mentioned a couple times now, Hurricane Ian will be making landfall this weekend, potentially as a Category 4 hurricane. So uh, certainly thoughts and prayers to everybody in the path of that. You've got games being canceled you've got games being moved um just an interesting a scary situation there in uh, in florida and up the east coast uh, i know you guys are, are echoing those sentiments as well specifically for jeff collins and georgia tech like guys where where do they go they're in atlanta a hotbed of recruiting so much talent they've got decent enough facilities and a great brand to be able to sell even a a, a historical program through the years but Trey, I guess we'll start with you. What does Georgia Tech do to right the ship? I mean, I know who my first call is. It is right up the road in Jackson, Mississippi to Coach Prime. Uh, that's Perfect. my first call. Whether or not he'll say yes, that's obviously up in the air. I don't think that you can money whip Deion Sanders. I don't think that you can necessarily pry him away from Jackson State. That's kind of a passion project of his, but I'm going to make him say no before I move on to anyone else. Jeff Collins was supposed to be the guy that really bought in Atlanta culture. He was an Atlanta guy. He was supposed to, you know, bring Georgia Tech into the 21st century with the offense and none of that happened. And, you know, you can give him a couple years with making that transition from the triple option that Paul Johnson was running. But by now we should have seen some sense of some semblance of progress. And I don't know. I think I go just complete flash in the pan and go for coach prime. If I'm Georgia Tech. Man, could you imagine Dion back in Atlanta? Like, that would be crazy to me. I don't know. That just seems like a perfect fit. It's going to be hard to prime away, obviously, because I think the thing that you're looking at now is just the fact that Georgia Tech, their program is kind of decimated. They don't have a lot of good players. They don't have a lot of good, you know, talent on the roster right now. The recruiting isn't exactly going how you want it to. And there's almost no name recognition in a time when their conference is going kind of the opposite direction of them, right? You got a lot of teams on the rise starting to come up you know, and start to look like something. So, I mean, man, it's it's a rough time to be Georgia Tech. You're glad you got a new guy, right? You're, you're glad that you're going to get a new guy rather that, you know, Collins is done and we don't have to worry about that experiment anymore. But, mm-hmm. man, I don't know where they go at this point. I mean, I might make a call to Lance Leipold as well. You're going to have a hard time prying him out the mid, uh, Midwest. But, um, man, it's, just, it's tough to kind of, you know, think about where you would go to find a quality head coach that might make that jump. That would be maybe a step up to a Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's it's a program that should have a lot of elements of success, and yet, at least since Paul Johnson left, it's been uh, just a, gosh, an uphill climb, a slog, what whatever you want to call it. 10-28, and 28, by the way, is his record uh, with the Yellow Jackets. Not exactly encouraging signs. Uh, he had three straight seasons of three-win football, and then he was one win uh, into his 2022 campaign. 
uh, when he got fired after getting shellacked by Central Florida. So interesting to see where Georgia Tech goes. Watch this space. We will keep you informed as the coaching carousel is spinning already hot and heavy here in the month of September. You've got Nebraska, Arizona State, Georgia Tech all open. Seems like Auburn's about to be open. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but a lot of Power 5 jobs certainly going to be coming available throughout this season and then first thing into the offseason. But guys, the offseason is for the offseason. Let's focus here on week five, the previews. Let's start with our headliners. Right into it, just a couple minutes into this show, as we mentioned, strap on your, your running shoes. Garrett was doing stretches before we hit record. I mean, it is going to be an all-out sprint. Start with the game of the week. For the second week in a row, we will include the Clemson Tigers in this match. They're the fifth-ranked team in the country. Seven-point favorites over the 10th-ranked NC State Wolfpack. This game, 6.30 on ABC Saturday night. And, you know, we've we've talked about monitoring Hurricane Ian. There's a potential that this game could be moved. Trey, you texted us earlier. The forecast for this game is something out of, the great flood. I mean, it is not looking promising that they will play ball, but we're going to preview the game and just asterisk that things could be subject to change. Yeah. It's uh, looking at like 90% chance of rain, 30 to 40 mile per hour winds. The remnants of that hurricane are going to go right into South Carolina. Mm -hmm. We've already seen university of South Carolina move their home game with South Carolina state from Saturday to Thursday. Obviously you can't really do that with a conference game as easily. So you know, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that we get this game as scheduled, and I hope the storyline of the game isn't, um, you know, just how sloppy it is because of the field conditions, because this is going to be a really, really fun matchup. So with the weather in mind, I mean, certainly it affects kind of how you preview this game. NC State more lethal through the air. Clemson, at least last week, was more lethal through the air as well, but they do have Will Shipley. Garrett, given all the factors going into this game, let's start with who you think just the better team is in this. Where where do you lean as you line these two squads up? Man, this is kind of a tough one because I think for Clemson, this is their chance to prove that they're a top four team that should be in consideration for the playoff, right? I think that this is their chance to say, you know, we're still Clemson. We're still here. This is still our conference. We took a year off, but we're coming right back. Um, I think, you know, comparing it to where they were last week, obviously the thriller with Wake Forest, I think NC State's a much better team than Wake was. Um, I think they have a lot more success on the ground this week. I think they're able to kind of mix up their looks offensively, give them some play action that should challenge the defense, not let Clemson's defense play as downhill as they did last week. Um, they're also, you know, NC State plays good defense as well. They're a pretty solid squad there, uh, and they should be able to get off the field a little bit more frequently than Wake did. Uh, But, you know, if you ask me, I think this game has a lot more to do with what Clemson is than what NC State is, right? Can DJU keep the hot streak from last week, right? He was, I mean, phenomenal last week. If he can do that again, I don't think NC State really stands a shot in this game. Uh, Can can he put the pressure on NC State early, right? Score a couple touchdowns out the gate and make them play from behind, right? Can the defense actually go get to Devin Leary? You know, Wake Forest quarterback last week, he passed for six touchdowns against the Blitz. I think the Tigers can have more success getting to the quarterback this week, but they're going to have to keep the pressure on him. They're going to have to keep blitzing and they're going to have to be balanced so they don't get killed by any of that play action. You know, I think that this is just another time where Clemson plays a great game. They're the hotter team, I think, of the two, and I think they're going to make a statement at home. I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson minus seven in this game, make the statement, and go ahead and start charging towards that ACC title. 
Man, this is such a huge, huge test for DJU in the Clemson offense. They passed with flying colors last week against Wake Forest. And, you know, we've highlighted already, this is a much different challenge than that Wake Forest defense. NC State has an elite defense. We've been trying to tell everybody that since the offseason. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting this to be the exact opposite of the shootout last week. You know, Clemson's going to have a chance to prove, you know, the old saying is great teams can find multiple ways to win. Clemson's going to have to prove that this week. They won the shootout last week, which I think was the more difficult of the two ways to win for them, just with their offensive struggles. Can they come back now and win what I think is going to be a defensive slugfest, could be in sloppy field conditions. If we're talking about a hurricane dumping, who knows how many inches of rain on Clemson, South Carolina. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting. Wake really struggled to run the ball last week, and I know that's what NC State's going to try to do as their bread and butter. With this weather situation, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a close, slog it out, defensive slugfest. That Clemson, I'm flipping from my prediction in the offseason. I had NC State winning this in the offseason. Clemson's done enough and shown me enough so far this year to have me flip that prediction. Mm -hmm. I do think Clemson wins, but I think NC State keeps it close enough to cover. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I also had NC State winning this game. NC State's one of my playoff picks, so... Uh, by picking this, I am dooming my four seed, or I guess they were my three seed in the in the pick. But, um, I, you know, I had NC State covering this number. I think just in a rivalry game, it's tough if you're going to give me, you know, at least seven points. I think I'm going to lean those points for the reason that we see every single week, right? I mean, you look at Tennessee, Florida. Florida does not match up to Tennessee on paper, and yet they were able to keep that close. Anthony Richardson just willed the Gators to stay close in that game. NC State has 17 starters on this team that beat Clemson a season ago. They'd love to end their career by doing it again and not knocking a top five Clemson team from the ranks of the unbeaten. Plus you throw in the weather, the sloppy conditions. It could be impossible to pass the ball. I just, I'm with Trey. I find this as a low scoring game. I do think Clemson wins, but I'll take the Wolfpack to cover as well. Let's go to the SEC. Number seven, Kentucky on the road against number 14, Ole Miss. The Rebs are six and a half point favorites. This is an 11 a.m. kick on Saturday. ESPN is where you can find this uh, ball game. Tell you what, this matchup, it really could be kind of spicy for a couple reasons. First of all, Jackson Dart guy's not it at quarterback. He is not Matt Corral. Uh, nope. This guy is, is not someone who's going to lead this air raid offense to the 50-point wins against really good teams. Now, I know they blew out Georgia Tech 42-0 on the road. We talked about Jeff Collins. That's a bad Georgia Tech team. Uh, I, I don't know that you can glean a ton from that. Honestly, I can't believe he beat out Altmyer, who looked decent in the Sugar Bowl. I know Luke was an, a, a young quarterback and, you know, come to the SIP, transfer to the SIP. I understand that there's a little bit of a brand that might have incentivized uh, you know, Kiffin to, to pick Dart if it was a close battle. But gosh, he's struggling to pass for 200 yards, which is just not what we've seen from Old Miss these last couple of years. Ask you guys this question. Before we hit record on this episode, did you know who the leading rusher was for Ole Miss this season? Anybody? Nope. Maybe because I had seen in your notes, but go ahead. <laughs> Winshawn Judkins, which I did not know that guy was on the roster for Ole Miss, but he leads... 429 yards on 70 carries. He ran for like a buck 40 last week. He's got five touchdowns. Zach Evans is second on the team with 365 yards, but Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, he only has like 70 rushing yards. He really hasn't been utilized. 
Point being, though, this team has relied on the ground much more than they have through the air. And so because they can't air it out and spread this Kentucky defense out, they play into the Kentucky defense's strength. We saw Florida try and run it. They really struggled. Now, Anthony Richardson got his yards. I think he rushed for 140 yards, but that was all that he was doing. It was kind of a K.J. Jefferson-like performance where, all right, their secondary has kind of locked us down. I have to run the football. For that reason, I'm going to take the Cats plus the 6.5. I think Kentucky's offense is trending in the right direction. Will Levis has got to control the football. He cannot continue to throw picks. But I think Kentucky is the better team on both sides of the football. And because I think Kentucky can dominate in the running game, they can stop the Rebs. I'm going to take Kentucky plus the candy here uh, in, uh, in uh, not between the hedges, in the Grove. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take Kentucky plus six and a half as well. I know Kentucky hasn't looked great this year. They've struggled a little bit against some G5 opponents, but Mm -hmm. six and a half point dogs to a team that has not shown they can put together a full game on the offensive or the Mm -hmm. defensive side of the ball. That's being a little harsh to Ole Miss because, you know, I mean, last week against Tulsa, I'm sure they were in a look-ahead situation looking ahead to this Kentucky game, but you're right. Dart just does not look like a Lane Kiffin quarterback, and they're finding different ways to win. They're running the ball really, really well, but that plays right into Kentucky's strengths, like you said. So Kentucky's going to be the best defensive unit that Ole Miss has seen so far. Will Levis, got to take care of better care of the football, but he has a lot of talent, and he can get the ball to those playmakers. Also, the X factor, Chris Rodriguez Jr. is coming back this week for Kentucky, and that is a huge boost to that offense, the leading rusher from last year. I think their rushing game is going to look a lot better. I think that'll make their O-line that's looked kind of lackluster look a little bit better as well, getting to block for that guy. So, you know, whoever loses this game is going to come back down to earth just a little bit. I'm going to take the better QB and Will Levis and the better defense that's wearing uh, royal blue for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, six and a half, I think, is the lot to kind of like give to a team I'm not sold on yet. I think, Trey, I mean, you were kind of in the same place. Six and a half is a weird number for this one. I mean, who has Ole Miss played yet, right? Like, have they played yeah. anyone that we're really sold on being a good team? Tulsa's okay, I guess, but that ended in a one-score game. Mm-hmm. Compare that with, you know, Kentucky. They've already gone on the road. They've knocked off a decent – they're flawed, but Florida team, they're they're a good team. Uh, I think these two teams, they're in just different places in their seasons right now. Kentucky, they're already in the grind of the season. They've already had to go through some adversity, find ways to kind of grit it out and win when not everything goes well. You know, flip that with Ole Miss. They're just about to get their first taste of real football, I think, this year. I think the Wildcat defense is going to stifle this Ole Miss offense and expose some inconsistencies and some issues with what they have going on offense. Um, I think they're going to put the ball on the ground enough, control the clock, time of possession, I think they're going to find a way to keep this one real close, if not win it outright. Give me Kentucky plus six and a half. Easy. Both of these teams are also built for close games. I don't see either one running away. So give me the dog. Uh, give me the dog in that situation as well. Yeah, we're all in Kentucky here. Uh, I, I will be surprised if Old Miss wins. I, I won't be surprised if they keep it close. But, you know, just to. Kentucky's the better team here. So I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the talent seven, six and a half, depending on where you look. That is so much for the seventh. What is Vegas seeing that we're not what, like what, what do we think Vegas is seeing that we're not? Because this is just Lane Kiffin. 
Yeah, yeah I, I think it's the offensive creativity and the fact that Kentucky offensively hasn't put away anybody. They did just struggle against Northern Illinois a little bit. But to me, Kentucky is more comfortable operating in that grinded out kind of gray zone than Ole Miss is. So, you know, I'm going to go with the more physical football team. I think we all are. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Big 12 country. This very easily could have been the game of the week, and for a lot of people it is. I know a lot of my friends will actually be in attendance for this game. Number nine, Oklahoma State Cowboys on the road in Waco to take on number 16, Baylor. The Bears, two-and-a-half-point favorites in McLean Stadium. It's a 2.30 kick on Fox. Guys, this is going to be a very fun football game to watch if you are in that early afternoon window. I know that we're going to be – uh, mostly tuned in to one particular game that we'll get to here in just a minute. But for certain, our other TV, I, I, at least for me, is going to be on the Pokes and the Bears. These were my top two teams picked when it comes to uh, Big 12 championship aspirations. I believe that these two teams had the highest ceiling. I did pick Baylor to win this in the preseason. But again, as as we've come through these first four weeks, all those preseason expectations, predictions, very much subject subject to change. And guys, I'm going with Oklahoma State as my lucky dog of the week. The number nine team in the country with one of the most explosive offenses in the nation is getting two and a half in Waco? Are you kidding me? Again, this feels like, what does Vegas know that we don't? Typically, we steer into these lines and say, okay, we're going to go with Baylor. But I just believe coming off a bye this offense is ready to go. They should be very, very explosive. Derek Mason's had two weeks of game film and preparation to prepare for a Baylor offense that is productive. It's moving the ball down the field, but it's not the explosive offense right now that we've seen from the Bears in years past. So again, I'm going to go with the better team here. I, I would love to know what Vegas sees heading into this game, but give me Oklahoma State plus the two and a half. My lucky dog of the week. I think they went outright. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to double up on the lucky dog of the week. I'll get take Oklahoma State as mine as well. Listen, I have beaten to death the lack of skill talent, lack of proven skill talent on Baylor. I think that bites them this week, but I'll play a little devil's advocate here. There is a really real Spencer Sanders Baylor bugaboo that we need to talk about. Sure. So his career, you know, Spencer Sanders is a great quarterback, maybe the best quarterback in the Big 12 this year. But Baylor has just been his Achilles heel when we're talking about his entire career dating back to 2019. I pulled his stats in four starts against the Bears. He's two and two, five touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and just 236 yards per game. A lot of that stat padding came in 2020 when Baylor was just capital B bad. So Spencer Sanders is going to kind of have to exercise some demons this week i think he's able to do that he just looks like a different player this year he looks like he's got his head on right he's carrying that team and usually at this point oklahoma state would have already had a little bit of a red flag game either losing a game to someone they shouldn't or playing a really close game to a g5 team we just haven't seen that this year i think that's a credit to spencer sanders and just where his head's at so give me oklahoma state on the road i think they start to show some real kinks in Baylor's armor this week that we saw against BYU, and we've also seen against Iowa State and a couple other teams. But until Baylor shows me that they have that proven skill position talent, I'm going to bet against them. Yeah, why on earth is Oklahoma State not favored in this game, right? 
I mean, I, I get I picked them for my playoff team, and I'm just trying to keep the hype alive. But look, they're coming off a bye. It's a couple weeks after hanging 63 on who cares. If you hang 63, that's a good game. They preceded that by handling Arizona State at home. I know Arizona State's not a very good team, but they haven't done anything so far that tells me that they're a bad team. Flip side, am I supposed to just believe this game is tough because Baylor was good last year? They're playing this game on the road, but this year they've shown some real flaws, including not looking very good when they played BYU. Give me the veteran quarterback on the road this time. Spencer Sanders, I think, is going to handle the pressure, um, and he's going to get the ball to his playmakers. I like John Paul Richardson to have a huge game in this one. Um, Oklahoma State's defense is going to you know, chase around Shapin. He's going to keep him off balance all game. And I'm also going to shout out my guy, Ollie Gordon, pride of Trinity High School in Euless, Texas. I think he's going to come out there, score a touchdown, I think for the third game in a row now. So um, shout out those guys. Oklahoma State's going to win this game. Give me Oklahoma State plus two and a half. They're going to win this one. They're going to keep the playoff hopes alive. The three tech boys all on the pokes, which means, of course, our apologies to Oklahoma State. Congratulations, Baylor, on your early victory. We'll see. We're good at this. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you in the recap on Monday morning. Those are our headliner games. If you are near multiple screens, which uh, most of our fan base certainly is, I know we will be. Other big games to keep on that dial. Let's start, guys, in Fayetteville, 2.30 p.m. on CBS, the CBS primetime game of the week. One of the few times that we will have the CBS music played for an SEC game in the next two years. Number two, Alabama, the Crimson Tide on the road against the 20th-ranked Hogs of Arkansas. Alabama, a 17-point favorite on the road in this one. That feels like a large number for an Arkansas team that is ticked off. They're embarrassed in the way that they lost to Texas A&M last week. Guys, I'll keep it short and sweet here and let you guys really dig into this one. Give me the pigs plus the candy at home. Now, I will say, they're doing a dumb red out against Alabama, which Arkansas and Alabama's colors are nearly identical. Literally the same colors. To red out the stadium against the Crimson Tide. No, no, no. Alabama Crimson. Uh, <laughs> not red. It, what, crimson. It, it just seems like we're close enough on the color wheel that um, pretty close. This was, this was a dumb move, but still, I think I think the Hogs find a way to move the ball against against a Bama secondary that has not been amazing this season. Their offensive line has struggled a little bit as well. It's kind of the same bugaboos that they've carried over from last year. Arkansas leads the country in pass rush. They came into last week with 17 sacks. I believe they got Max Johnson on the ground three additional times for an even 20 on the season. I do think they make Bryce Young a little bit uncomfortable, at least to the point where they don't get blown out in this game at home. 17 points is far too many points to give, uh, like I said, a ticked off Arkansas team heading into a big game. I'll take Bama on the points. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with Alabama here. Minus 17. I know it's a lot of points, but this just smells like a classic Alabama slow cooking to me because (laughs) Arkansas kept it close last year. That game was kind of isolated on their schedule, able to be circled, able to be built up to, and not really have any other tough games around it. If I recall correctly, I think Arkansas is going to be fully dejected this week and it might not be pretty. I think, they're college kids. You think about a kicker missing a field goal like that. I think that's good for at least one more miss this week, just in the mental aspect of things. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know how you come back from that personally. So I think Arkansas is going to be pretty down and Saban and company are smelling blood in the water. And 
they're going to pounce on that. So give me Alabama. I think they're also looking to try to get that narrative back. You know, they kind of lost that edge a little bit after playing Texas so close and barely escaping Austin for a win. Saban has their full attention. Saban has all that motivation that he needs for this to be not a close game. So I also just wasn't really impressed with Arkansas last week. I wasn't That's impressed fair. with Kendall Brown's game plan. I think Arkansas could have run away and hid in that game and they didn't. So give me Alabama. Yeah, no, I think Arkansas looked pretty suspect last week. KJ Jefferson exposed some flaws in his game there. He's, he's not exactly the guy who I think a lot of people thought he was going into the preseason. Um, but I mean, look, Arkansas, they've got blood in their mouth. They can taste it. They know that, you know, a few more plays, maybe just a couple inches to the left, they would have beaten the Aggies. Um, they're in wounded animal mode. And, and when you're in wounded animal mode against a Bama team that still hasn't really impressed me yet, again, on the road at Texas, that was a tough spot. The Texas crowd got up for that game, but maybe Texas isn't exactly what we thought they were after that loss to Texas Tech. So, I don't know. I'm not completely sold on Bama being the kind of team that can blow teams out like this this year, not named, you know, Vanderbilt or something like that. Um, so I think the tide wins comfortably here, but I don't think they win by that much. I could see two touchdowns pretty easy. 17's a lot. Give me the Hogs plus 17. I just think 17's a bunch of points. Now, saying that Saban's going to, you know, be like beat them by 40 or something like that, but this just doesn't look like that Bama team this year. We've got some really fun battling narratives here. We've got the cornered animal. We've got the letdown. We've got, you know, <laughs> yeah. Saban's mad. So su- super fun. We'll see which narrative plays out here. That, that's right. It's it's like choose your own adventure. And I, listen, would I be just shocked if Arkansas gets the doors blown off for everything that Trey said? No, I, I, no. I really wouldn't. I If you get down early for Arkansas – it's the secondary of Alabama that struggles, not the run defense. The run mm-hmm. defense has been pretty stout. So I don't, I still don't fully believe in KJ Jefferson as a passer. Um, I, I think, like you said last week, had they really decided to air the ball out, now it's a very good AM secondary, but AM was able to key in on the run for much of that game. And you take away the first quarter, the Aggies kind of dominated that game. So I can't imagine that Saban doesn't cook up something similar and you know, it, it could get, it could get ugly fast, but I'm going to, I'm going to rely on Sam Pittman to have his guys ready to go. I think it's going to be a very hostile environment there in Fayetteville uh, in 17. Like I said, just, just a little too much for me there. We'll, we'll see number 22, Wake Forest and number 23, Florida state doing battle in Tallahassee this weekend, 2 30 PM kick on ABC. The Knowles, a seven-point favorite, and right before we hit record, I did say uh, see that the Florida State Athletic Director confirmed, at least for right now, they're confident they can keep the game on Saturday at this current time window. Garrett, let's start with you. Two teams that have shown a lot of offensive firepower. Florida State has certainly showed the ability to play better defense. Wake Forest coming off a disappointing loss last week, while the Knowles bringing a lot of momentum into this week. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, this one, I mean, again, Wake's coming off a real emotional game. They have to go on the road against a team that's really starting to find its stride. If you factor in any amount of rain coming from this storm, I think Florida State's the much better run team here. Wake didn't really run the ball at all against Clemson. I think these are just two teams going the wrong directions right now. Florida State is you know, going up. Wake Forest is going down. I'm going to take the team trending in the right direction. Give me Florida State minus seven against uh, Wake Forest here. 
I'm going to be a little inconsistent. Wake Forest is in the exact same situation as Arkansas with a big letdown opportunity, but I'm going to pick them in this matchup because this is the best offense Florida State's played so far. And I think this is going to be a really nice test for the Seminoles. They're a great story so far. They have played fantastic on offense, no matter who's been at quarterback. Um, I don't know. Are we getting? We're not getting Jordan Travis back this week, are we? I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I I haven't that. heard anything. They they were real slow to confirm that he was out last week. Right. So I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there in Tallahassee. Regardless, it's it's been a really fun offense to watch. Um, just airing it out a lot. A lot of fun. It finally looks like Mike Norvell is getting schematically what made him an attractive hire coming over from Memphis. So. I think this is going to be a really fun shootout, a lot of back and forth. There's a couple of red flags in, you know, Florida State's secondary in particular that I've seen this year that gave me a little bit of cause for pause to say that they're going to run away with this one. I think it's going to be a close, fun shootout. So give me Wake plus the seven. I think Florida State can ultimately win this one at home. And, you know, yeah, if we're getting some rain, maybe that shakes things up a little bit. But I think Wake Forest will at least keep it close. If it is soggy conditions, Florida State by far is the superior team on the ground. I mean, they had they've had multiple guys carry for a hundred yards uh, a, a couple weeks during this season. Obviously, the the opener against Duquesne, they had three guys do it, which was program history. Listen, Wake Forest is not Duquesne when it comes to stopping the run, but they also don't really excel at it. This Wake Forest team and in Florida State, for you know, to be fair, neither team plays a lot of defense. I think Florida State has the better pass rush, and, and ultimately, a week after a draining loss, that was that cannot have been fun to to lose in double overtime at home the way that you did. You clawed all the way back. You know, uh, Sam Hartman did bless his heart, did everything to win that game, and the defense just couldn't quite get a stop. I, I'm gonna go with Florida State at home now. Trey, you're right. Florida State is due for a letdown. They came into this season as as underdogs. No one was picking them. To, to beat LSU in basically what was a de facto home game for the Tigers, they did. Last year, an 0-4 start. This year, a 4-0 start. They're starting to get some love. They're starting to get some taps on the back, right? They're due for a loss. I, and Wake Forest would be that spot for me had they not given everything in a loss at home to Clemson last week. So based on all of that, the fact that Florida State runs the ball far better and the weather conditions – Give me Florida State minus the seven. It could be sloppy, but I just I, I like the way this sets up for the Knowles way better. I will say we'll play some amateur meteorologist here. It does look like all the rain will be out of there by Saturday. Just yeah. gauging the uh, the weather app here. So looks like it's <laughs> going to be pretty nice in Tallahassee on Saturday. Some people go to school for four plus years to get that degree. Trey can tell it to you in five seconds. I have an app and I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, let's head just a little bit farther over to the West. Let's go to Stark Vegas, guys, where it's going to be loud on Saturday, 3 p.m. SEC Network. 17th ranked Texas A&M Aggies on the road against the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Extremely interesting matchup that kind of determines the the future of both of these programs. Mississippi State had a weird loss to LSU where the one thing they do well is throw the ball. They didn't even get to 215 yards through the air. Texas A&M has an elite defense. They've really struggled to score the ball. They're down Anaya Smith, their best wide receiver, although they were showing some, some signs of life on offense last week against the Hogs. Obviously, it was a gut check time. A&M goes down 14-0. 
could have rolled over and died right there. It got blown out by the Hogs, and that's what we kind of expected to happen. And then here came Texas A&M. They end up winning that game. Garrett, I'll throw it to you again to start here. Stark Vegas is a place where the Aggies have gone to die. You think of back to the you know the first time that they were in the playoff rankings as the number four team, got embarrassed by a Mississippi State team that was way less talented than them. A lot of people are picking Mississippi State to do the exact same thing. Uh, as we mentioned, the Bulldogs are favored in this game despite being the lower-rated team. Which way are you going? Okay, so a lot of times people are talking about these three-man fronts that a running on defense. So two years ago... A&M rushed three, dropped eight against State, and they won. They limited the offense. They were good but not great with the ball in the hands of their veteran quarterback, Kellen Mond, right? I think they ended up winning that game something like 28-14. to 14. Last year, they rushed three, dropped eight, but they lost with some inconsistent quarterback play, some turnovers under Zach Calzada. So now I guess your question is, what does Max Johnson do, right? Is he more of a Kellen Mond? Is he more of a Zach Calzada? Is he going to be able to do enough, make the right reads, make the right decisions, be decisive, and deliver an accurate ball to his playmakers? Or is he going to stay lackluster, you know, kind of just be a guy who's not going to throw picks, but he's not really doing much correct either? I'm not sure exactly where he is right now. He's been steady, a little underwhelming so far, and I think he can calm the storm and not let State capitalize off mistakes. I do think that's where you're pretty definitive. That being said... I still think Will Rogers can do enough to win this game at home. He's good enough. He's going to be able to, you know, move the football. And I think you give him enough, you know, possessions in the end zone, he'll find a way to punch it in. This, to me, it comes down to the Aggies being able to show up on offense. If they do that, I think they're going to win. They're going to get enough to kind of put this game out of reach just based on the way that that offense runs. If they put the same product on the field they've shown us the last two or three weeks, Hale State, until they do something else, I think I'm going to lean that way anyways. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, I think I'm going to pick them here, minus the three and a half. I don't love doing it, but I think I have to see something else on offense from the Ags to believe they can win this game. All right, sounds like I need to make plans to be in my kitchen again this week, so I'll just uh, <laughs> hunker down there and we'll be fine. But uh, no, I, I get all the concerns that you guys have. I, I have a lot of those concerns as well, just as a fan somebody anybody's got to step up to replace Anaya Smith and that's that's not going to be easy on the offensive side of the ball I'm encouraged that we did see signs of life in this A&M offense at least in the second and third quarter last week against Arkansas it did feel like the air just got completely let out of the room once Anaya Smith went down and that was just kind of just just bad vibes all around for the A&M offense and the A&M defense when that started happening so I will say I'm encouraged by AM's defense. AM's brand of winning games this year is going to be just to ugly it up. And when you ugly up an air raid game, when you ugly up a game against an air raid team, it typically doesn't go well for the air raid team. If it gets just ugly, that relies on a lot of finesse, a lot of timing, a lot of getting the right spot and sit for five yards and just be okay with that. AM does a really good job of uglying that up and and taking what the opponent wants to do out of their hands. So the Achilles heel for an air raid offense is an athletic secondary that's going to take away that space quickly. I think AM has that. And I think AM's defense is a bad matchup for Mississippi State. You can look at LSU a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. get some athletic corners, linebackers, and safeties in those holes, and just makes things really, really difficult for an air raid offense. 
Anum's also really, really good in the red zone on defense. So if they can hold Mississippi State to field goals like they've done with Arkansas, with Miami, and with uh, their other opponents this year, I'm more confident because that also makes the job easier on the AM offense. They don't have to score as many touchdowns if they can hold the opponent to field goals. So, you know, as long as someone steps up on offense, and I know that seems like it's asking a lot for AM this year. This game is one that doesn't scare me as much. And I know as an Aggie fan, I should be terrified to go to Starkville, but I'm just surprisingly confident about this one. I'm surprisingly confident that the defense leads to at least a cover of the three and a half point spread and probably a win. I will say amongst A&M fans, there is a confidence this week that at least the, the program shattering concerns have been taken away now replacing anaya smith is nearly impossible you're going to rely truly on two true freshmen and evan stewart and chris marshall to fill that wide receiver one role you're not going to have your true slot receiver unless you keith brown kind of takes it over and he has the ability to he's the he's, he's a, very, a lot he has he has a lot he's a very similar playmaker he can stretch the field he can run the underneath route he's going to get separation I would love to be wrong about this game. Anum is the more talented team. They scheme well for Mississippi State, as Garrett and Trey both told you. Even though AM fans have been screaming at their television about the seeming uh, struggles to run that three-man front and get pressure, it's probably what will help you succeed against an air raid team in Mississippi State. You've got athletic ends that are going to keep Will Rogers in the pocket. And then you have a very athletic secondary that can probably take away those passing lanes. Statistically and, and schematically, I think this is the best that AM matches up against Mississippi State in a while, in several years. But going to Starkville, there's just something about it. They, there's always been something in the water. AM really struggles to win on the road uh, against Mississippi and Mississippi State. Something about that state, I, I don't know what it is. I'd love to be wrong. I have a horrendous track record of picking A&M and Texas correctly. So maybe I'm wrong here. I'm going to go with Mississippi State minus the three and a half. I, I just, I don't quite share that confidence that Trey does just not because of any one specific thing. It's just kind of an intangible, like, shoot, we typically lose when we go, <laughs> when we go to Starkville. So again, would love to be wrong. Should be a good game regardless. Let's go to a Big Ten game. I think really the first time we've talked Big, Big Ten on this podcast. Got number four, Michigan. Ten and a half point favorites on the road in Kinnick Stadium. They're taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is the big noon kick on Fox. Uh, I'll get my, my pick out of the way very quickly. I don't see how you can take Iowa in this game considering that they cannot score. Uh, Michigan did not look super impressive through the air last week against Maryland, but Blake Corum got whatever he wanted. The true strength of this Iowa defense is their secondary. If Michigan doesn't have to throw the football to score, then Iowa's truly sunk. Give me Michigan minus the 10.5 here, and I'm going to lock this up. Uh, let's go with the Stone Cold Lock of the Week for the Wolverines. Yeah, I'm going to go right back with you. I'm going to play it one more time because Michigan is my Stone Cold Lock of the Week as well. Stone Cold so I guess we're we're syncing up on our dog of the week and our lock of the week. Evidently, did not mean for that to happen, but here we are. <laughs> I man, we saw this matchup in Indianapolis not 
eight months ago. And I think we're going to see something very, very similar in Iowa and uh, Kinnick stadium this week. So Michigan just seems to have way too much talent. I've been really impressed with them. The Maryland game last week was a little bit of a surprise and it was a little bit of a downer. That was also their first game against power five competition this year. So I think getting that out of their system, getting the kinks out against Maryland, they won that game. They won the game that they were struggling in. And I look for that offense to be back fully operational this week. Yeah. Michigan's going to roll in this game. Yeah, no, if JJ can be more consistent, I think Michigan blows Iowa out of the water by the end of the first quarter. And if he can't, I think it's going to take until about halftime. His quorum's going to put up about 300 yards on the ground, and it's going to you know run the clock a little bit more until they can score enough points. So either way, go blue, Michigan, minus 10.5, super easy. Yeah, easy, easy cover until Monday morning when Iowa has somehow pulled off the upset. Number 18, <laughs> Oklahoma, six and a half point favorites. They're on the road in Fort Worth to take on a TCU team that's undefeated, guys. They're three and oh. This line feels suspiciously low. Is that is that just me? OU? I mean, I know they just lost to Kansas State, but only six and a half point favorites? T- TCU hasn't really played anyone unless you believe in in SMU, which way are you guys feeling on this one? So I think OU is in just massive disappointment mode right now. And I think that kind of explains the line, you know, they're, they're getting their annual Kansas state loss out of the way, you know, they're going to play another team wearing purple and that's just going to kind of keep them angry. You know, TCU is a solid team. You guys saw that for yourselves mm-hmm. in person. You know, I think OU bounces back in this game. They're going to score almost at will. I think they're just going to be mad ready to go if they don't do this you better sound the alarms in norman because man back-to-back losses could be an issue for this team especially if they're coming to kansas state and tcu so i'm gonna go ahead and take oklahoma minus six and a half but this is as close to a must win as you can get without it truly being a must win game for oklahoma yeah i was really impressed by tcu just with the eye test last week they looked fast they looked like schematically their offense was a lot of fun and it was taking advantage of what SMU was uh, really not good at. So credit to credit to Sunny Dykes and credit to that coaching staff for just looking really, really good in that rivalry game when SMU really wanted to have that one at home. I will say the the throws were right there for, um, for, for SMU the entire game. I thought, you know, we saw miss throw after miss throw, just mm-hmm. missed assignment in the secondary from SMU. I don't think that's going to be Dylan Gabriel's not going to miss the throws that TCU benefited from last week. So I think Oklahoma's mad. I think they're ticked off after losing to K State. Also, give me Oklahoma minus six and a half. I think they take care of business in Fort Worth. Yeah, I, I think OU's in wounded animal syndrome. I think TCU's in a letdown spot off after what was a very heated battle of the iron skillet last week, both in temperature and just on the field. Those two teams do not like each other. I think OU finds a way to bounce back, and they exercise some demons. So give me the Sooners. Minus the 6.5. We're all on Oklahoma this week. LSU, nine-point favorites on the road against the Auburn Tigers in what could be Brian Harson's final game. Uh, down on the plane, 6 p.m. kick ESPN is where you can watch it if you so choose. I wouldn't advise doing this, um, but hey, if you've got time and an ex- a third monitor, maybe a fourth, uh, feel free to throw ESPN on. Guys, LSU min- minus whatever. Harson is fighting for his life. He had, he's going to need a ride home. I mean, put put the house on Zillow. 
you should have lost your job last week. Missouri literally could not stumble their way into a win. They had two different opportunities to do so. They miss a 26-yard kick at the end of regulation. They fumbled a game-winning touchdown on the two-yard line. They jumped off sides on a field goal that Auburn missed in overtime that would have, I mean, literally given the game away. It was like just a comedy of errors. Um, Auburn's a bad football team. This is Harson's final ride. So LSU minus the nine easily. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going to take LSU minus anything you want to. Auburn is so bad at football. Okay. They deserved to lose to Mizzou at home. And this is a Mizzou team, which by the way, I don't know if y'all saw Luther Burden, like scrubbed everything from his socials. So we're pretty sure he's transferring out and kind of quitting on the team now, which not blaming him. He tweeted, he tweeted something after, I think it was a tantrum. He said, I'm still locked in forever. A tiger just hitting the reset button or something. So somebody told him to put it back on his stuff or else he'd lose his NIL basically. So he's going to hit the portal in the off season. He's not putting his full effort in and they still almost beat Auburn at Auburn. Okay. So that that's, Auburn's bad at football. LSU minus whatever stone cold lock of the week for me. Lock in those Tigers. Yeah, I LSU minus anything, Auburn plus nothing. And I didn't play your drop for you, Garrett. Let me give you that drop real quick. Yeah, come on. Yeah, give me that. Give me that stone cold lock. LSU minus anything, Auburn plus nothing. LSU's got this. Easy enough. Let's go to Austin, the 40 acres where they're licking their wounds. West Virginia comes to town. Texas is a nine and a half point favorite. 6.30 p.m. kick on FS1 Trey. You've labeled this a game that Texas should put everything together? Question mark. I this just feels like one of those games, right? Every year Texas drops a game they should, and then they come back and they just look like they're supposed to mm-hmm. against somebody that's been against West Virginia before in recent memory. That it just feels like one of those games to me. They're back home. They are obviously coming off a really tough loss against Texas Tech in a rivalry game. West Virginia is also just not good. I know they destroyed a hapless Virginia Tech team last week. I am not on on the West Virginia bandwagon this year. We've been through that. I, I do not like the talent that they have on that team. Maybe they can make a few plays on offense to keep it close, but this just feels like one Texas kind of has and that they look like they're supposed to and cover that nine and a half point spread to me. I mean, you're, I think you're discrediting West Virginia a little bit here. They took Kansas to overtime. Okay? And I know true. that might they have been the an only, in years past. They were the closest <laughs> to beating Kansas this year. I mean, that's something that Houston couldn't do. That's something sure. that Duke couldn't do. But West Virginia managed to take this vaunted Kansas team to overtime. So with that being said, I think West Virginia is actually kind of a solid team. I still don't think this has anything to do with them. This is entirely about Texas. Okay, Texas is pissed after what just happened in Lubbock. There's drama, you know, now in the in the week after with, you know, players on the field and getting pushed and maybe pushing and maybe getting pushed into people. And so there's just a lot of drama going on around the Texas, you know, program right now. Stop me if you've heard it before, but they've started their conference slate with a disappointing loss. You know, maybe a close loss. There's some drama going on. This is a must-win game. Okay, I'm sorry. This is a must-win game for Texas to avoid a spiral like last year, right? Last year, it wasn't that they lost. It was all of the drama that went along with it that just, you know, the locker room wasn't there. 
so far, they haven't proven that they're the kind of team that can rally as a locker room, rally as a team, and overcome that adversity. I don't think that they lose this game, but I think this is going to be ugly, and they win this game by not very much. Give me West Virginia to cover, plus 9.5, with a very slight Texas win. I don't know that I'm worried about the culture with the Longhorns yet, but they are banged up. Uh, they continue to, I, I believe, they're out at least six starters. Someone tweet me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, but they just continue to get healthy. I think Texas comes out and has a very impressive game plan ready to go, not only because they have a very good offense, but also West Virginia. They've struggled a little bit. West Virginia can sling it, though. So I'm expecting a comfortable Texas win, but give me the West Virginia screen door slamming back in cover. Uh, so I'll <laughs> take West Virginia plus nine and a half. I don't know that I feel great about it, but with those injuries, I just wondered, nine and a half's a lot of points. And West Virginia, listen, as, as tired as Texas fans get of it, everyone gets up to play Texas. So they can throw the football, West Virginia that is. Texas's one question mark is the secondary. So I could see it being closer than than you might assume. So just give me two out of three outcomes there. I'll take the Mountaineers plus the nine and a half. All right, so those are our main games, our featured games, what we think you should probably devote a good amount of your Saturday to watching. But we're going to fly through these second screen games. Coming up on an hour on the podcast already, we've still got a ton to get through. So guys, let's start on Friday night, a game that I am pumped to watch on my Friday night. It's the bye week for Duncanville. Got some family stuff going on. I'm excited to be in front of a TV late night. Number 15, Washington. Three-point favorites going to, I mean, is this going to be a completely empty Rose Bowl uh, against UCLA? 9.30 p.m. Central kick, 7.30 p.m. local kick. It's an ESPN game. UCLA hasn't been 4-0 in years. Uh, this is weird territory that Zach Charbonnet and the Bruins have, have uh, traipsed into. Washington quietly becoming an offensive power under Kalen DeBoer. I'm going to ride with the better quarterback and the team that I think has the better defense on the road. Give me Washington and the Huskies minus the three. Yeah, when we did the Pac-12 preview, I highlighted this game as a gut check game for both of these teams. Because Washington and UCLA, I didn't, I didn't think Washington would beat Michigan State preseason necessarily, but this was going to be the game that decided who was the true dark horse in the Pac-12. There's going to be a lot of offensive fireworks in this game, guys. DTR and Zach Chardonnay, that's a great one-two tandem to that can go head-to-head with uh, Michael Penix Jr. in Washington. So I'm excited for a lot of points. I'm hoping we get just treated to an absolute dandy of a game on Friday night. Maybe we finally get a good crowd at the Rose Bowl. You know, they're bringing in a top 15 team. I think the students are actually finally back in town now for UCLA. UCLA has kind of a weird school Mm -hmm. schedule that they don't start till the end of September. So, you know, I know it's fun to make fun of UCLA's crowd, but I think they will have a better one this week. If they don't, absolutely crucify them because they deserve to have a good crowd in this game. I just don't think that'll be enough for uh, Chip Kelly and the gang to necessarily pass this test. I'm going to take Washington to go on the road and get the win. I mean, is there a chance that the UCLA students don't know there's a game Friday night and they're going to just go out and party anyways? I personally think that's probably how it goes. But It's a real possibility. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, are these two juggernaut offenses, though? Like, I don't think I expected to say that, but they're both really good offenses that we're going to get to see. And again, a primetime type of game, at least out there on the West Coast. 
you know, these are great teams who, unfortunately, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make the dig. They're going to play for about nine fans in attendance. Um, I really hope that some Washington fans make the trip because this team deserves to play in front of some people. I just kind of believe in the Huskies offense more right now. So I'm going to go Washington minus three. All right. We're all on the Huskies. I love it. I, I will say UCLA tip of the cap to you guys for winning games. You haven't always done it in a pretty fashion this year. See the South Alabama game, but you have won your clunkers, your four and oh, quietly a team to consider there in the Pac-12 South. Purdue on the road at number 21, Minnesota. Trey and I have been rowing the boat all season long. Last week, Garrett joined us on the bandwagon. Our Golden Gophers are 12-point favorites. This is an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN2. Garrett, as the newest member of the Ski Yuma Mafia, I will let you take the first pass at this. Well, I appreciate that. I love being on the ship. It's been a nice couple of days here on the bandwagon, so I appreciate it. Um, Look, I'm not about to fall into the bad graces of Gopher fans again. No more disrespect to this team. This might be the only team who wants to play good football on that side of the Big Ten. Give me Minnesota minus 12. I'd probably take them with more points than that. Yeah, the Purdue offense scares me just a little bit, but I think Minnesota's going to run for about 500 yards in this one. Uh, Hold on. They, they, I'm not confident in Purdue's defense being able to stop. Minnesota's just a machine right now, and until proven otherwise, I'm going to keep rolling with them. I don't think Vegas has caught up with how good they are yet either. So keep rolling. If you want to play some shekels, I wouldn't mind putting a little bit more on Minnesota this week. <laughs> not not <laughs> in fi- financial not advice. Financial right? advice. Not financial uh, advice. <laughs> listen, times are tough for the people out there. We're certainly not going to encourage you to lose more of your money than the stock market currently is. But... I'm with you guys. Give me Minnesota minus 12. Aiden O'Connell's banged up. Purdue secondary has been linky. I think that Tanner Morgan can get a few yards through the air, but ultimately it comes down to Minnesota rowing the freaking boat all the way to cover town with Mo Ibrahim. Gophers feel very easy here at home. I'm going to make a spreadsheet that tracks our picks this year versus the S&P 500, and I bet we're beating the S&P 500. So, we're again, all, not financial advice. That's pretty we're, solid. We're, we are all above 500 in our pick. I, actually, I think as we talked about on the recap show, I believe we've all got the same record in Pick'em, which yeah. this this week we're, we have a lot of the same picks. In past weeks, we've differed on a number of games, and it's just funny how the math has worked out. But uh, we are consistently above 500. So if you've, if you've, you know, if you've teased a couple of, couple of games with our suggestions, chances are you're a little bit ahead of, uh, of the, uh, the rest of the crowd there. Big game in Manhattan, Kansas this week. Number 25, Kansas State, eight-point favorites at home against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They're high on life right now. It's an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN+. Plus. So if you can't see it, direct your hate towards the four-letter network. Gosh, it's this $5. is $5. If you want to watch this, it's $5. Like, it's the best $5 you'll spend this month. So well, watch I mean, that's true, but it's also a shame that the Big 12 has to hide premium games behind a paywall that's that rubs me the wrong way yeah. guys eight's a huge number against the texas tech team now i know the argument is that texas tech is due for a letdown they just beat texas right in their super bowl etc cetera, etc cetera. eight still feels like a large number for a team that can put up points in a hurry now i will say the trend is that kansas state not only beats texas tech when they're in manhattan they haven't lost there since 2008 they also just have this streak of scoring defensive touchdowns. I saw a tweet a couple hours ago, and it goes back like 20 years. There's only two or three games in that stretch that Kansas State has not scored a defensive touchdown. 
I don't know how to factor that into my own personal uh, grading formula, but for for two teams that are are very fun to watch, are a little leaky on defense sometimes, but have good offenses. Give me two out of three outcomes. I'm going to take Tech plus the candy here. Yeah, this is going to be an awesome matchup. If you really need to watch this game but can't afford the five bucks for ESPN Plus, call me. I'll, I'll get you my login. Um, this is going to be an awesome matchup. I'm so pumped for this game. Deuce Vaughn, he's going to have to be amazing to keep this really solid Red Raider offense off the field. I think he's going to be able to do that. My biggest question coming into this one is how's Tech going to come out after you know winning this rivalry game on the road, right? They came out on the road a couple weeks ago against NC State. Nothing going for them. Obviously, we think NC State's a better quality team right now than Kansas State is. But still being said, Kansas State's nothing to sneeze at right now. Um, you know, how's Kansas State going to come home after beating you know the Sooners? Their little annual trip to Norman to beat the Sooners and you know just take care of their business there. I think Kansas State's the better team here. I think Adrian Martinez has another kind of step in the right direction game with his arm, passing the football a little bit better, hoping to get up towards 300 yards. You know, hasn't quite gotten there yet, but we'll see how it ends up. Give me K-State minus the eight points. I think they're going to get things locked and loaded this week and start their little run uh, through the Big 12. This is kind of a rare double letdown. Both teams coming off just absolutely monumental highs. So not really sure which way to lean here in that situation. I'll take the dog. I'll take Tex plus eight. Let's keep that lack of turnovers going, Donovan. Let's let's keep the ball in our team's hands, and we should be fine. Tell you what, if Kansas State can beat OU and then Tech off their upset over Texas in back-to-back weeks, look out. The Wildcats getting sneaky hot at the right time of year, right before they get into the bulk of their conference schedule. I, this could be a statement for Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats. Out West, Oregon State on the road at Utah. It's a 10.5-point spread for the Utah Utes, or in favor of Utah Utes. This is a 1 p.m. kick, uh, local time here, uh, so central time, 11 a.m. local time. You won't be able to watch this. It's on the Pac-12 network. Condolences in advance. Utah, they just lost Britton Keefe for the year. Cam Rising's favorite target. He's out with a knee injury, very similar to uh, Anaya Smith and A&M, where your top target is suddenly gone. To me, this feels like Utah loses a big part of their identity offensively. So for that reason, give me Oregon State. I know they had a disappointing loss to USC. They had the Trojans on the ropes late, couldn't quite seal the deal. I think the Beavers at least keep it close as Utah tries to rework the offense, tries to find new targets. Give me the Beavs plus 10.5 in this one. Yeah, losing Keefe is huge. They do have another great tight end in that offense, whose name is escaping me right now but i know that they do have someone that can step up and hopefully mitigate that a little bit i love me some beeves and this feels like one utah rolls away with so it's a letdown spot chance nolan's needing a confidence boost after his four picks against usc last week salt lake city's not where you go when you need a confidence boost so i'm gonna take utah to cover this spread maybe a late touchdown or a late field goal kind of um, puts them over the edge there all right, so Utah and I have been on a bit of a break, but I'm ready to talk about it. I'm ready to kind of get back to where we were. Um, look, we just need some space, but I'm ready to talk about this team being good again. Okay, they've been really solid the last several weeks. They've taken care of their business. They've bounced back. I think they're back to being the team that I thought they would be in the preseason. 
Um, they have a chip on their shoulder with that early loss. I think they're going to come out real focused and ready to play with loads to still play for in their season. Give me Utah minus 10 and a half back on the Utes, you know, maybe not for the playoff, but back on the Utes being a very, very good team. I will very happily crank the chainsaw by myself this week. Um, I, I love I love the Beavers. They need some more offense, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy riding with the orange and black. Iowa State, three and a half point favorites in Lawrence against America's sweetheart, the Kansas Jayhawks. Rank the Jayhawks, you cowards at the AP poll. It's a 230 kick, ESPN2. Garrett, you've been on the Jayhawks from the word go. Please take this one away, sir. Man. Is this Farmageddon? Do we get Farmageddon? Um, I'm pumped to see this game. I'm so pumped. It's, you know, under the lights. or This is 2.30, so it'll be a great game. ESPN2, they're going to finally get some recognition on one of these bigger networks. Um, Jalen Daniels' Heisman campaign is going to continue. I'm not joking. I think he'll end up being somewhat of a contender, you know, into the latter part of the season. We'll have to see how the record works out. Kansas is one of the better teams in this conference right now. They're riding with so much momentum, and I just don't believe in Deckers on Iowa State's side. Go ahead, give me Kansas. They're picking up a big win in conference to keep it going. Kansas plus three and a half. They're my lucky dog of the week. Farmageddon's Iowa State, Kansas State, unfortunately. But yeah, oh, the Kansas State. Never mind. Not, not Farmageddon. It not Farmageddon just yet. But okay, it is mind. a fun. It is a fun Big Eight rivalry. This is one Iowa State's obviously dominated in recent years, as most Big 12 schools have, but Kansas just has something going right now. I'm going to ride that hot streak until proven otherwise. Give me Kansas plus three and a half as well. I'm, I'm right there with you. We all belong to the house of Jayhawk. Now I'm going to steer the Titanic <laughs> right towards the obvious choice. Kansas plus the three and a half. I'll say they win outright. All right, so we've got a couple other games to get into here before we go to the ledger picks. A group of five games that we want to keep an eye on because we are not just all about the Power Five here. We love everybody equally. Tulane and Houston. Uh, Houston three-and-a-half-point favorites. This is a Friday night game on ESPN. Houston has not been the team that we thought they they would be. I, we all kind of were thinking... All right, if the group of five has a chance, Houston's probably one of those favorites. I had them going 12-0. and 0. They have not done that. Uh, Tulane obviously beat Kansas State two weeks ago in a weird upset. Which, which way are you guys leaning as the green wave goes to Houston? Tulane plus three and a half for me. I think this one's pretty simple. They're just looking better. They've got good momentum on their side right now. Just, just the better team at this point. Houston's been a real letdown. I'm going Tulane plus three and a half. Houston has been a letdown. I'm going to lean into them on a Friday night in Houston, minus three and a half. I think Tulane's getting a little extra love for that uh, upset over Kansas State. I don't know that they're necessarily that team that can go in and knock off Houston, but they've done it before in a spot like this. So I'm going to cautiously take Houston to finally put it together. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that Houston, now now that we're into to American conference play, give me the Cougars at home on a Friday night. Navy and Air Force, the... Uh, troops of the air are 15 point favorites. It's an 11 a.m. kick on CBS. Of course, we always salute the troops, no matter which way you defend our country. Garrett, Air Force, they're a big favorite. It feels like they're a big favorite for the reason. Navy, my goodness, they have just fallen on hard times. I'm certainly rocking with Air Force. They're the more trustworthy team. I'm going to assume you guys are as well. Yeah, the airmen versus the sea troops. Very excited for this one. Um, you know, just really excited to see, you know, this game. 
play out. I think Air Force probably wins this game by a whole bunch. Navy is just really, really bad right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to take Air Force. Last time I backed Air Force, though, as they lost <laughs> favorite in the teams, they lost outright to uh, Wyoming. So I'm going to cautiously take Air Force in this one. They do you. They do usually get up for the Commanders Cup games pretty well. Yes, they they absolutely do. Uh, I think this is a pretty obvious pick, especially with Navy having to go out west. Just seems like a, a very clear Air Force win. Probably a runaway game. Last group of five game, we'll turn our attention to a game that I did see was rescheduled to Sunday. SMU on the road against Central Florida at the Bounce House. U, uh, UCF, three and a half point favorites as they dodge Hurricane Ian. SMU needs a bounce back. UCF's obviously coming off of putting the, the death nail in Jeff Collins' career at Georgia Tech. Which way are you guys leaning? I'm going to back the ponies till it sends me to the poorhouse, man. I, I'm just waiting for them to put it together. I think a lot of distractions, obviously, on the UCF campus this week. We never want to, you never want to say that quiet part out loud, but I think that distraction could be enough to make me lean the ponies here. Yeah, I might pick UCF on a Saturday, but on a Sunday, I will not bet against the Methodists. So SMU plus three and a half. They need a bounce back, and I think they'll get it. <laughs> playing on the Lord's Day. I'm going to take the the Knights here, minus the three and a half. SMU's defense truly was non-existent last week, and UCF can do it through the air. They mostly do it on the ground, and I tell you what, TCU got whatever they wanted on the ground a week ago. And that was SMU at home in a big spot where they should have been up for that. You're, you're traveling across the country. It's now you're playing on a Sunday. You're out of kind of your element. I'm just going to take the better team at home. So give me the Golden Knights uh, minus the three and a half to uh, to to easily. I, I don't even think it's going to be close. I think the Ponies lose kind of comfortably here. All right, guys, let's wrap this up with the ledger standings here. And we've been very, very close. Trey looked like he was going to have a really solid week. And then all of a sudden games went the other way. Garrett Garrett's play never got off the tarmac. Somehow I ended Bummer. up going three and one. So I'll lead us off here with the ledger picks. Trey, I'm going to give you Mid-Tennessee State. They're in a letdown spot against UTSA. UTSA giving them four points. Look, we didn't even have the Fighting Stockstills getting to a bowl game this year, and, and they're already out to a rip-roaring start. I think they're due for a letdown. UTSA is a physical team. They're going to run the ball, I think, better than Miami did. Miami got down early. They had to try and throw it. Quarterback controversy, all that. Give me UTSA. On the road, minus the four. Garrett, you unfortunately have to back the hapless buffs, which I will say, if it's mm. any consolation, it seems like every time we give each other hapless opponents, they not only cover, but they win outright. So maybe for Carl Durrell, this is his saving grace moment. They, they take on Arizona. The Wildcats are hosting the buffs. Arizona, 17 and a half point favorites. Now you may wonder, Mitch, why on earth are you giving Garrett all those points? It's because the advanced analytics, dang it, tell us that Arizona should be favored by 20-plus. And I'm a man of math. I'm a man of science. And I'm going to lean into this. Give me at least college football science. Give me give me Arizona to win very comfortably minus the 17 and a half. I mean, I, I'm not excited to take Middle Tennessee State against UTSA. So I, I'm not looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, um, at least I, you don't have Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It could be worse. Um, I'll go ahead and go into mine. Um, gosh, I'm I'm tilting already on both of these picks, but 
I will give Mitch Troy. Um, they're going to be five-point dogs to get against Western Kentucky in Bowling Green. Western Kentucky's offense has just looked downright scary, and I think mm-hmm. that they will come out guns a-blazing against Troy. Garrett, I'm going to give you the Cal Golden Bears and their anemic offense. Oh. Uh, they are traveling up to the Palouse to take on Washington State. Washington State's a four-point favorite. I'll back the Cougs. Ah, why do I keep getting these like terrible like West Coast teams? Get me out of here. I don't want we, it. We do bet the West Coast a lot in the ledger. I don't know why that is, but we bet the West Coast a number of times so far. Yeah, get me off the West Coast. Give me someone on the East Coast next time. Um, So last week, what ended up biting me were these big old spicy lines. Um, This week, I'm going to go ahead and go with some more big old spicy lines. Mitch. Uh, LSU minus nine versus Auburn. You get to be an Auburn Tiger fan, kind of, sort of, this no, week. Good I'll luck pass. with that one. I'll, I'll pass on that. <laughs> but you, you wish you had a coach out of town, so that's fun. Hey, you know, that's a lot of fun. Um, and then, Trey, just because I know that you were on this one from the start, I'm taking Minnesota minus 12 against Purdue. You get to learn how to make a boiler this week, um, and, and probably not, but you get to try to learn how to make a boiler at least. All right, let's make sure Aiden O'Connell's healthy and uh, they score a garbage time touchdown or something. <laughs> I, I was going to say the backdoor cover is certainly in play if Aiden O'Connell is is healthy. He's been banged up. He's been doing absolutely everything by his lonesome. Him and him and Charlie Jones, like that's the Purdue offense right now. Uh, but if he's healthy, they've got a chance to cover. I, I think Minnesota wins comfortably, but that should be an interesting game. I actually, I will say this, Trey, about you giving Cal to Garrett. It's a weird line that I wouldn't actually put any hard-earned American currency on, but Cal's defense travels. We saw that against Notre Dame. Now that offense, as you pointed out, can't do jack. And so if if Cam Ward and, and company can score, then I think Wazoo on the Palouse wins very comfortably. But this is what Justin Wilcox is known for. So I actually had eyed that game up and steered away from it because – I decided not to tempt fate by betting against a very solid defense. We'll see. I I think you're probably going to be proven right, but at least I think there's another another side of the fence that Garrett can at least take a little bit of solace in. Unlike LSU and Auburn, there's no hope there. No. Yeah, I you know, it's that's going to be an interesting game. We didn't have time to break that one down fully, but I I think I was really impressed with Cam Ward in Washington State last week. I I'm going to ride that offense. Sure. All right, guys. Well, you can finally loosen up the the shoelaces. I think Ooh. I think I might have run right out of mine. Uh, that that was a lot, and uh, I, I think we did it in in the same time too. I don't I don't think we went long today, which is good. But we previewed so many games. Basically, if you've lasted this long in the podcast, first of all, thank you for for all your support and listening. Secondly, Saturday is going to be equally as sprinty equally as much of a marathon like stay in front of a tv all day long it's going to be a beautiful day of college football starting on honestly on friday night good games on friday Mm -hmm. night should be just an absolute blast a lot of prove it games as trey said earlier a lot of postseason implications starting to align a lot of chess pieces starting to move around the board and uh, i know that we're really excited about it as well final plug obviously follow the social media if you want to interact with us on game day at three tech pod on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, leave us a rating on our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get the podcast. It really does continue to help us grow the show. 
guys, we've grown every single week that this show has been in existence. And uh, it's all thanks to to the viewers out there. Again, just a big shout out for all your support and love. We really do appreciate it. For Garrett Turney and for Trey Reeves, I'm Mitch Mason. Until next time, so long, everybody. Thank you.